thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We are starting a series today that we've called The Lifestyles of the Rich and Faithful. Anybody remember the Robin Leach show? All right, yeah, some of you may not, which dates that I'm old and you're not, but that's okay, no problem. But you know, this, this whole lifestyle of the rich and the famous from looking at the show was this idea on on how they live their lives and it would be ridiculous I mean there would be like four thousand dollar meals that they would have and a 70 million dollar yacht and all kinds of great stuff but the reality is this God wants us to to be rich people he wants us to be rich and faithful and what does it mean to be rich what does it mean to be faithful and so that's why we've we've named this the lifestyles of the rich and faithful so my prayer is at the end of this series that we would all see the purpose of our lives in a different way because that's what we're all longing for we're all wondering what really is the purpose of our life we have a greater sense of gratitude for what God has given us in our lives including our family including everything else around us and what God is wanting to do through us and that we would really gain some life principles on how to take care of what God has put in our hands and so this series is going to deal with different topics and uh, and some of them the church has gotten a bad rap about. If I was to ask the majority of people in, in the world or in the streets or even in the church, what does the, what's the one main thing the church wants from me? What are they going to say? Come on, say it like you mean it. Money. That's, that's what everyone thinks. The church wants my money. The church wants my money. Well, here's the deal. I'm completely aware that many of you might feel that way as well. Let me just talk to you for a second. The series is not about money. The series is not about guilt. There's no hidden agendas. There is, there is nothing that's going to manipulate you or bring guilt and fear on you. If you receive, if you give from, from being manipulated or guilted or, or being fearful, or if I don't give, a curse is going to fall on my life, that is not the gospel of grace. And so the whole heart of this and whole desire of this is to share God the way God sees you, the way God sees your resources, the way God sees everything that all of us are walking out in our lives. And so it's going to be a great journey. I'm really looking forward to this. But God is, is not first concerned about what's going on with what you have in your hand. He's actually not. I grew up in a, in a small church, and many times when someone would come to the church that didn't know Jesus or, or something was going on in, in, in their lives, many times we skipped the reality of their hearts, and we went straight to trying to manage their behavior. And listen, if you, if you parent that way, that's not going to work out really well either, because Johnny might be sitting down, but he's standing up on the inside. And so God really, he cares about our hearts. Why why does the heart thing matter? Because everything we do, everything we say, every, every action of our lives comes from where it comes from our hearts. So I want us to really take an inventory of our lives through this series and really look at our behavior and ask the question, what does that say about the belief of our hearts? What does, our, what does our behavior say about the belief of our hearts? Because you will become what you believe. That's just how it is. That's why 
I've mentioned before, that's why this whole idea of, of after people get saved and they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, they, they still walk around and call themselves a sinner. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But what happens is if you believe that you're still a sinner, guess what? You're going to act like one. Because your beliefs determine your behavior. So you need to know I'm a saint. Tell someone I'm a saint. Just tell them. And so if you believe you're a saint, guess what? Your belief, you're going to act like you're a what? A saint. So you need to embrace the reality of what's going on in your heart. What is God doing in your heart? And so we're going to be really asking this question. This whole idea about why did God create us? So that my prayer is that all of us are going to step into a greater understanding of why God made you. Why God created you. Why he's giving you the things that you have in your hand. And once you answer these questions, then you're going to respond from your heart. That what, is, what do we believe? And our actions will show what we believe. So I want us to look at this question that everyone in this room has asked this question at some point in your life. You might even be asking it this morning. What is God's call on my life? What is God's call on my life? Man, I've asked this thing over and over and over again and then come to a place in my life where I was like, I thought I knew, but maybe I don't know. But what's God call, God's call on your life? Yes, you're part of this church, and yes, it's a privilege to be part of this church family, but specifically, the question that we're all asking, or what you're asking, God, what do you want from me? What do you want my life to do? How do you want my life to matter? And before we can fully answer this question, we need to look back. We need to kind of go back in time. We need to, to kind of rewind a little bit and understand what is God's purpose for actually for mankind as a whole. And so we find this verse out of Psalm 24. Beautiful verse written by the psalmist that makes some pretty significant statements here. He says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything. Everyone say everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So that he's remembering something here. He's, he's, he's commenting about something that he's read out of the book of Genesis that was written by Moses of the account of creation out of Genesis 1-1. This is the beginning of the books, folks. This is where it all starts. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created it. He made something from nothing. Not just in the beginning where, where, when, when God created. This is, this is where the beginning was created. There was not a beginning until God said it starts now. He created everything. Out of nothingness, he created somethingness. That's not a word, but I made it up. He created it. And he created all that we see. And so this passage out of, out of Psalms says not just everything that we see, we experience, we're interacting with, but everyone, everyone God created. Everything you, you bump against, everything you breathe, everything you eat. Every, when you walk outside, you see a blade of grass, a leaf, a tree, a person, a car. God created it. God made it. And it's, and it's, and it's his. 
And so which brings us to this first big idea today that's very important for us to understand. You might think it's very simple, but if you'll get this, it will transform your life forever. And it's the very first point that everything belongs to God. This is the first big idea today. Everything belongs to God. Everything. So why does God have to be so greedy? Why, why everything belongs to him? Why, well, why does God have to claim everything? Well, for one, he created it. Since he made it, it belongs to him. Not only that, he now owns it because he created it, he made it. But more than that, he sustains it. Without his involvement, nothing would be sustained at all. Your life would not be here today if God did not sustain it. The Bible tells us in Colossians, which is one of my favorite books, in Colossians says this, that God holds everything together. So picture God in the middle and his hands holding everything together. He's the one. If he was to let go, everything would just collapse. He keeps the planets in lines. he, He makes the planets from slamming into each other. God owns everything because he made it and he sustains it. It belongs to him. So this world and everything in this world belongs to the one who made it, who is God Almighty. That's very, very important to understand. He owns every plant, every rock, every animal. He owns the seat you're sitting in today. He owns every person in your family, including you. He owns everything. God owns everything. And the the Bible gives us this incredible, simple, powerful message about all the things that we we possess and we are around. this This is what it says. The Bible says this, it's not yours. That's what the Bible says. What you hold in your hand, it's not yours. The people in your family, it's, they're not yours. It's not yours. Now let me give you a heads up. I'm not about to tell you that, that to, to feel bad about having things or to feel bad about having things in your hands. Because so you can all put your guards down, put your, your guilt deflectors up. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to do it. But what I believe God wants to show us today is that we are, for one, we're not to feel bad for having things because since he created it, since he's the one who gave it, he put it into your life for a purpose. There's a reason. So forget feeling bad about it. Let's embrace it as this is what God's put in your hands. But for us to understand how we are to look at our lives and the things that we have through the filter of God's word and through the filter of the creator God, that's what we want to do today. So to see how, or I guess the the proper way is how do we see the things that we have? How do we view them? Well, I'll tell you how we view them. We view them like most toddlers. We view them this way. It's mine. Anyone, everyone, everyone had a toddler that, who just seemed like their first word were, it's mine. Maybe I'm the only one that has children like that. Okay. We know it's common language. I, I want to read to you something that's it's called Toddler's Rules for Ownership. Toddler's Rules for Ownership. Are you ready for it? If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you... It's mine. (laughs) If I had it just a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, then all the pieces that are included in this are mine. 
If it looks just like mine, it's still mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. That's just how it is. If it's broken, it's yours. You can have it. But if it's broken and you're having fun playing with the broken pieces, it's mine again. (laughs) That's my favorite one. (laughs) If there's any doubt of who something belongs to, it's mine. Just like toddlers, we could actually have the same mindset as them, that it's mine. So here's the question. Why did God give us the things that we have? Have you ever asked that question? Romans 11.36 said this. Paul says this. God made all things, and everything continues through him and for him. There's, There's the answer to that question. To him be the glory forever. God made all things and everything continues through him and for him. So let me, let me put this into just regular terms. What, what Paul's saying here is the reason why you and I, we may, we may have a car, a house, clothes, a, a mountain bike, money in the bank, an iPhone. It's because it was given through him and for him. Everything is about God. Now, this, this, could be revel- this could change your life if you will get this. Everything in your life is about him. If this is countercultural. If this is very, very difficult, especially in our Western world. The idea just doesn't sit very well. And just because God owns everything, here's the, here's the other reality. The, the matter of fact is not everything that he owns is being used the way that he wants it to be used. We would all agree with that. Now, I'm going to press you a little further. I'm going to ask you guys to repeat something that, that I need to give you a little warning before you repeat it. Some people have said it, and they have totally collapsed. They, they, they get eye twitches. They get anxiety. They get fear. They get nausea. Everything kind of breaks down for them. And I, listen, if you need to take someone by the hand before we say this, that's okay. So maybe you should go ahead and do that. Here's, here's the reality. Everything we have, everything we own. Now listen, so people freaked out about this. And I'm going to put it up first so you don't have to say it out loud and might have any any deeper issues. It's this first point. Everything we have, everything that we own is this. Okay, let's, are we ready? Let's say that together. It's not about me. Man, that was good. Say it one more time. It's not about me. Whatever you own, whatever you have, whatever you possess, including your family, it's not about me. Now, you could replace it's with all kinds of stuff. You could say, my marriage, it's not about me. That's called a pregnant pause. I'm just staying there just for a moment. Your body is not about me. My church is not about me. My friendships, it's not about me. My career, it's not about me. My money, it's not about me. My position, it's not about me. The things that I own, let's say it together, it's not about me. 
I want to ask every one of you a question this morning. Since everything belongs to God, since God owns everything in, that you possess and you have in your life, here's the question. Is everything you are, have, and own being used the way God intended it to be used? Another pregnant pause. I'll wait here. That's the, that's the big question. In the midst of understanding, what does it mean to be rich? What does it mean to be faithful? Is this question, is everything you are, everything you have, everything you own being used the way that God intended it to be used? That's the question all of us have to answer today. The first step, though, in using what God has given you, he's, he's been generous, he's given everything to you, is this. How? How do you make sure that everything that you own, have, and are is being used the way that God wants it to be used? The first step, before you can ever tick off any of those boxes, is this, this point right here. First, you need to turn everything you are and own over to God. Well, how do I do that? Is there a place I can take it to? Is it, listen, no, no, this is an act of your heart and your will. This is, this is about deeding over to God everything that you have. It's about the act of your family, the act of your own life to say, God, everything that I have, everything that I own, everything that I am, I am giving that to you. Even the very breath that you have, give it to him. That's the first step. Until you do this step, you will, you will never know if what you're doing with your stuff or with your things or what you are, what you own, you will never know if it's pleasing God until you first do this first step. Give it up. Then here's, what, here's what's beautiful about God. In the act of giving it over to God, giving him your life. In the act of saying, Lord, for right now, God, today, I give you my life. I give you my emotions. I give you my finances. I give you my house, my car. My, you just write a list of whatever it is you want to give them or you just name it in your own mind. I give this to you in that act of giving. What actually already belongs to God in the first place, he turns and he gives it back to you. Within one moment, God, I give it to you. He says, thank you, and I give it back to you. And when he gives it back to you, this is what he says. I want you to use this the way that I want you to. Since, since it's mine anyway, I want you to use it the way I want you to. Then we begin to understand. This is where we get into understanding our calling. It's at this moment that everything in our lives changes. And we say, you know what? Now I know what I'm supposed to do. I, I came through a journey in my own life probably seven, eight years ago that I came to this place of, of I, was, I, I was worrying about some stuff. I was trying to figure out stuff in, in, in my life and my vocation and my position and my title and whatever it may be. And I was, I was warring through all of that. And I had to come to a place where when I realized and recognized, God, I cannot, it, this, me carrying this burden is really not serving me well. And I remember praying to God from the depths of my spirit, looking at the things in my hands and wondering, man, I wish I had this, and how come I, have, I don't have this? And I was, I was looking at everything that I didn't have. And I came to this place of material things in my life. God, I'm going to trust you for them completely. Coming to this place of saying, God, it doesn't matter about what I have or what I don't have. 
I'm telling you, it was like the, the Lord was dealing with, with some things in my life. And I don't have time to go into all the details. And he began to plant seeds. And for the best thing I know how to say it, and though I've never given birth, would be like giving birth. Because it's painful. There's a process where, where this child grows with, within you mothers. And, and, it's, and it's uncomfortable at times. And you, you can't breathe or sit right or, or eat. or you know I'm not even going to go there because I don't get in trouble. No matter what's going on with you. It feels uncomfortable. And then in a moment of, of, of incredible pain and contractions, you give birth to a child, and then there's great joy and rejoicing. That's what it was for me. It was like God brought me to the edge and squeezed me like, a, like you would a, a grape as being pressed into fine wine. And so finally, I popped. And I, and, I, and I gave my life to God. I said, God, you own everything about me. You own my mind, my heart, my finances, everything about me. And, and, it, and it transformed the way that I, I lived my life. And it was in that moment that I no longer had to carry the burden of what I had or didn't have. Because I gave it all to him. I gave it to him anyway. And what I have is his, and what I don't have is his. And if he wants me to have something, that's his prerogative because he owns it in the first place. And if he doesn't want me to have something, that's his prerogative because he owns it in the first place. If I believe that everything belongs to him, then no man or even me can keep what God wants me to have. That's what I believe. And if I don't have something and I'm living by biblical principles, then God's smarter than me. He knows better than me. Then there's a reason why I don't have something. And if I do have something, then there's a reason why I have that something. It's understanding everything that I am, everything that I own. Now, I, I have to work through that every single day of my life. But I gave it all to God. Once we recognize, once we believe, once we embrace that everything in my life belongs to him, including my breath, we can begin to walk out our calling and our purpose. Because he gives it back to us, which leads us to our second big idea today, that God created us for this purpose, and that is to manage what he has given back to us. That's, that is our whole purpose. Do you know that managing what God has given you is the second greatest theme of the Bible? Did you know that? Outside of salvation, this idea of management is the second greatest thing from genesis to revelation matter of fact jesus talked more about managing what he has given us more than more than hell more than heaven talked more about this than prayer one out of every six verses in the gospel is about managing what god has given to us so that's kind of a big deal and using what we do have for God's purposes. That one out of every six of the Gospels. As we heard earlier, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And he put on Adam and Eve the mantle and purpose of the calling of mankind. He placed it on them. And he gave them the garden. He, they, he gave them his creation that he made. And he told them to take care of it. He'd already made the animals, he'd already made the trees, he'd already made everything, and then he made Adam and Eve. And, and then he began to tell them why they existed. And this goes for every single person here. 
Genesis 1.28. I want you to listen to the language that God Almighty is speaking. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Look at these, look at these ideas. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over it. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He laid out five different things. And later in Genesis 2.15, he says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. And he took Eve as well in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. These two ideas, work it and take care of it. God wants you to do five things with what he's given to you in your hand. You know what they are? You can read out of Genesis 1.28, fill the earth. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. Whatever he's given you, he says multiply it. That's what he wants you to do. Subdue it. You're to have authority over it. Rule over it. You're to, you're to create systems that help good, bring good management to it. Work it. In other words, knead it like dough. Just don't be lazy. Come on, work hard and take care of it. This is your calling from God with what he's put into your hands. This is it. This is the common theme all through the Bible. This whole idea of management. Think for a second. What has God put in your hands? Jesus told this story out of Matthew. And we're going to read it in just a moment. He, he embeds three important lessons for us to know today. And this is very important for all of us to understand this. You're, you're about to get a lesson from the greatest teacher on the face of the planet, from Jesus regarding the managing what he has given to us. And so there are very three quick principles. Matthew 25. And hopefully this is going to change your life today. I want your life to change today. Matthew 25. Jesus tells his stories. For it, was, for it is just like a man, speaking about the kingdom of God, about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves, and you, some translations use slaves or servants, and entrusted his possessions. Look at that. Everyone say his possessions. His possessions to them. He, he entrusted it to them. To one, he gave five talents. One translation says bags of gold. That maybe will help you understand a little bit better. To another, two. And to another, one. Now, here's the key. Each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. So this story is about a man who's going on a journey. Jesus is the man who went on the journey. And we are the servants who have received the talents or the bags of gold. I want you to understand that just for a moment. I want you also to notice that when he says that, that he, the master, gave the servants the talents or the bags of gold, notice that he gave us his wealth. And when he gave us his wealth, that wealth did not become your wealth. It still remained what? His wealth. It's still his. But also you need to look at this phrase, each according to his or her ability. This is very important. Which brings us to the first point under the second big idea. That God is more concerned about your faithfulness than he is about the measure of the outcome. Now we are results-oriented, driven people. We want the results, outcome, 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 outcome. But God 
is actually more concerned about your faithfulness because he gave to them each according to their ability. He, he was not measuring, saying one's better than, than the other. Get that out of your head. He didn't say, I can trust this person with more and this person with, no, he, he didn't say that. He just gave to them according to what their ability was. So here's, here's the, the message for some of us today. Some of you have come to a place in your life that you feel like you're running out of time. You feel like you're, you're at the end stretch of your life and, and oh my gosh, what did I do with my life? And you're beating yourself up because you're disappointed because you didn't change the world. You didn't climb that big mountain. You didn't, you didn't reach this level of success. You didn't reach or obtain that position or you didn't become famous or you didn't write that book. And, you didn't do, and, and you're beating yourself up. I want you to hear this and hear it from God's heart. This is not, this, that is your expectation and the world's expectations that, that you believed and placed on yourself. That is not God's expectation for you at all. That, that is nowhere in Scripture. What God wants for you is to be faithful with what he has given you. That's it. That, 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 that's the whole idea here. To be faithful with what he's given to you. Some of you have spent your whole life thinking you didn't do with your life something that matters. But as you begin to look back, you begin to look back and you realize, you know what? I was kind of good at that and, and God used me at that and God opened that door for me to step through there. And Well, here, here's the reality. God put that in you. God put that in there. Don't live your whole life or live in a place now where you, you always look at what you don't have. Begin to celebrate with what you do have. God gave you things in your life that were, that were purposed by him. He placed them inside of you. And, of course, he would expect you to be good at that and walk that on your life. Celebrate those things. Take inventory of what God has given you. This is to every single one of us. What things has he given you? What talents has he given you? What abilities has he put inside of you? What influence? Some of you have hundreds of people that you influence. Some of you have one person that you influence. How much money has God given you to manage? The amount doesn't matter. The amount has nothing to do with how God sees you. He is just concerned about this whole idea, faithfulness. Now, again, this is, this is different than our mindsets because we're always measuring, aren't we? We're always stacking up. This is where I fall. Well, this is where they fall. And this is where, listen. And some people don't do things with their talents, their giftings, their, their, their monies because they think, well, so-and-so has more than me. And so I guess I don't need to do anything because, because they're already doing something. And, and all of a sudden, we end up, we're always comparing ourselves against everyone else. Listen, there will come a day when you will stand before God and no one else will be there. And God's question to you is, what did you do with what I gave you? That's it. That's it. So we're no less than and we're no more than. We are just responsible for what God has placed in our hands. So, some of you have, have the ability and some of you have managed the, your ability well, whether it's maybe with a hammer or whether it's with, with, uh, with a microphone. Or whether it's with other tools, some of you have, have higher IQs, lesser IQs, it doesn't matter. God is going to ask you this question, what did you do with what I gave you? Because that's, that is what I gave you to manage. 
That's what he's going to reward us with. What did you do with what I gave you? How faithful have you been with what God has given to you? Now, this doesn't mean you begin to think, well, I haven't been faithful at all, so I guess I wasted my life. No, no, no. In this moment, you can make a decision. You're going to be faithful with what God has given you. The other side is this. You've got to stop judging your worth off of what is in your hand. Everybody does it. Well, I'm not this, and I don't have this, and I don't, I'm not there. I'm not that good with people like they are. I don't have the IQ that they have. I don't have the money that they have. I don't, and we spend our whole life judging our worth off of what someone else has. God never does that, and he will never do that to you. You are his child. He loves you. He created you just like a child in a family. They are totally different. What matters is they become the man or the woman that God has called them to become with what God has put in them. You can't force one thing in another. You can't take something out of the child and put it in another. What he has given you is what he's given you, and he loves you, and he's given that to you for a purpose. Amen. God is just looking simply for people to be faithful with what they have. That's it. Be faithful with what God has put in your hand. We're all going to be measured the same. Now that's, that's crazy. But it's true. Which brings me to the next point is this. It doesn't matter how much you have but how you use it for God's purposes. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter how much you have, but how you use it for God's purposes. So the story continues that Jesus is telling this master story. Matthew 25. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. He, and he had to be thinking, well, I, don't, I didn't have as much as them, and I, this is all I have, so I'm just going to make sure I keep this and let them do their own thing. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant or slave. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put in you charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Notice, notice the outcome always is the same. Well, you were faithful. Now I'm going to do this. Enter into what? The joy of your master. You want to know what the joy of your calling is? The joy of your master is? Begin to be faithful with what God has given you, and you will enter into the joy of your master. So the master returns to see what they did with what they gave them. This is actually referring to Jesus, specifically the second coming of Jesus. Jesus came to the earth at his first coming, a babe in a manger. He grew up, he died, he rose from the dead. Then he ascended back to heaven and he went away and he, he went back to the Father. But it's important to know this, he's coming back again. And when he returns, he's going to ask people to give an account. 
So the first guys took what was given to him and he doubled it. The second was given less, but no less importance. And he took it and he doubled it. The portion didn't matter. It was according to their own ability. It wasn't about how much God loved them. It wasn't about, oh, because I love you more, because you're, you're this or because you're that. It's just what he gave them. And so what they had to do is respond. And he gave them more based off of what they did with what he gave them. I want you to hear that. He gave them more based off of what they did with what he gave them. This is very, very important. Which brings us to the last point. God gives you more as you are faithful with what you have. This, and I'm telling you, if you can get this, it will change your life. Many people beg God, God, give me more. More money, more influence, more ability, more opportunity. And we spend our whole life wanting God to give us more while ignoring the key right in front of us. Do something. Be faithful with what you have. Many of us, we, we live in a place where financially, we go, God, I want more. God, I want more. God, I want more. I, listen, I, we, all of us could say that. But here's the thing. Are you being faithful with what you have? It doesn't mean more is more significant at all. What you do with what you have is what creates this idea that God will give you more. It's so important for us to understand this today. This is such a key in our life. In your family, in your marriage, how do you take care with what God's given you? In your church, how do you take care of what God has given to you? With your finances, the question is, how are you taking care of what God has given to you. Are you living it out? Are you working it out? Naturally, finances is a part of this. But it, this is so holistic and all-encompassing, this idea that what you have was created by God. It was given to you. As you gave it back to Him, He gave it back to you. And He said, manage what I have given to you. Everything belongs to God. The key to a, to a life that you love is this idea it's not about me. Turn everything over to God. And he gives it back. We are the managers of what he's put in our life. And so we're going to go on a journey through this time that we're going to seek God and say, God, how, what areas am I not being faithful in what you have given to me? And I'm telling you, my friends, God's going to do something amazing and powerful in all of our lives. And we're going we're gonna to understand, we're going to see people and things and finances and our church and God totally differently than what we've ever seen. That's my prayer. You wake up in the morning and you realize I'm a manager to what God has put in to my hands. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.